You have found a place to learn, encourage, support each other, be real, and have fun. Join us on a journey to becoming better versions of ourselves. Welcome to The Grind. Here are your hosts, Matt Buckner and Bob Page. Hello and welcome to The Grind, a Missing Chins Rudd Club podcast. My name is Bob Page. With me today, my co-host, Matt Buckner, and we get the absolute incredible opportunity talk to a guy who's run marathons on seven continents who worked for runner's world magazine for 30 plus years as his official title chief running officer and is eloquently known as the mayor of running mr bart yasso and the yasso 800s you are gonna love this podcast we walked away just amped getting the opportunity to talk to such an incredible legend in the running community. Let's just get into it. The really unique thing about the the, the grind podcast is we're doing it. This is it. We're this recording. It. <laughs> we're just we just move right oh, along. I love it. Um, right. it. It is an absolute honor to have you on the show. Uh, for most people, they're going to need to do a little googling, but we will certainly get out the history. It is the mayor of running, Bart Yasso. And he has another hey, title, exactly. chief running officer. I can't, I can't decide if, if I were you, which title would I insist on being referred to as? Yeah, well, there's, there was, you know, I didn't win any election to become the mayor of running. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I have no idea where that started. But for the last, I'm going to say, fifteen years, people have been calling me the mayor of running. I, I go to a lot of events, or I used to. And then my title at Runner's World uh, before I retired, my title for probably the last eight years I was there. I was at Runner's World 31 years. I think the last eight years or nine years I was there, my title was the Chief Running Officer, which is a pretty fun title, a pretty, pretty cool gig I had. That is, yeah. Yeah, anybody you got to run on seven continents, that's just incredible to me. Which... I think you've surpassed Dean Carnassus's goal to uh, to run a marathon in every country around the globe. Is that right? I think he was trying every country. Yeah, I haven't done every country. He was trying to hit like 280 countries or something like that. I don't think he ever did that. No. But that was on his goal for it quite was. a while. No. Yeah. Well, and I it was only it wasn't from him lack of trying. It was just logistics and war yeah. and things like that. <laughs> gotcha. Personal safety. Logistics always get in the way. You're yeah. right. That Syria Marathon looks very appealing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, it is, but I literally, I've run all over the world in many locations, including a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when those bombs hit that Air Force base in Iraq, the base called Al-Assad. I was at that base in 2009. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, went over as part of a, a group. Uh, we were sent over by the, the Department of Defense to put on 5K, 10K races on the military bases. And one of the bases we visited was Al-Assad. Spent about four days there putting on a race. And then uh, after we pulled off the race, we hung around an extra day because they were planning a half marathon that August. I was there in... Uh, july so a little bit after a, a month later they were planning a half marathon in memory of a, a woman uh one marine who was killed oh, in iraq so it was uh you know we went over where to set it up and things like that and uh so that all of a sudden it stuck you know people when they asked me like you said I really have run all over the world all of yeah and that's got to be like one of those iraq. special events man because yeah I mean, I have a nephew who's serving right now, and the response to that, uh, the Jets flew from where he was at, and right. it's just a, it's a crazy time, and, mm -hmm. and to be able to do yeah. that type of uh, giving back to those, basically children, kids that are, right. you know, right. oh, yeah. is, it's, it's, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, even, even uh, you know, the generals were younger than I am. <laughs> yeah. I was there with Olympic gold medalist Frank Shorter, who was also mm -hmm. with me, and some other folks. We had a representative from Under Armour. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a woman who was an astronaut, Sandy, Sandra Magnus, and uh, she was in the space station twice. Wow. She'd be up there for like three months. So, oh And she's God. a runner. But she was talking about, you know, when you uh, people being away from their family, uh, you know, at least they were, they could Skype 
back home right. space station when Sandy, Sandy was there was a little little archaic compared to what it is today. So she she would talk about what it's like to be disconnected from family and friends for long periods of time. It was an interesting trip. Wow. That zero gravity running has got to be great for your knees, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> she, said, uh, she said, we really take gravity for granted. We have no clue what it's really like to be in no gravity. But she right. talked about it a lot. I just, uh, I was I was amazed uh, at the stories that she had. And, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. That's incredible. But I'll tell you, when you talk about the men and women who give us the freedom and protect us, you know, I... We got royal treatment when we were there. Never, ever felt that it wasn't safe. I mean, they were always watching out for us and always made sure we were in safe locations. It was, uh, uh, you really understand uh, what these young men and women go through to keep us safe when you physically see it. And they always, they would tell me all the time, they said, it's like Groundhog's Day here. The same thing happens every day. Yeah. And then they said, this is cool. Now we go get to run a 10K race. They, <laughs> yep. were, they were in awe. And if somebody wasn't on duty, they could put on running clothes and go out and run. If someone was on duty and they had permission to run, they would run in their fatigues and their boots, wow. carrying their gun, and wow. just go out and do the 5K, 10Ks. You know, you got, got to do – they would just look at me and, hey, I got to do what I got to do. I can't uh, – I can't put my weapon down and I'm, you know, I'm working right now. So it was much interesting, uh, much different than your typical race that say would go on in, you know, I'd say so. uh, Orlando, Florida or whatever. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was different. Right. That's incredible. And that, well, and that's something well, that you talk about quite often too, is the, the differences, you know, in the, from, 30, 40 years ago in running to what we experience today. Like when you talk about a, a member of the armed forces oh. running in, in full gear and boots and carrying yeah. his weapon. And then for the difference between, you know, the the Nike next percents and, and the shoes that you were wearing 40 years ago, that's, that's quite a contrast as well, right? Yeah, the equipment has changed tremendously. The availability of the equipment has changed tremendously uh but the the most thing that i physically got to witness is just the explosion of the sport you know it mm-hmm. was they used to call us the loneliness of the long distance runner mm-hmm. back in the day when i started in the late 70s and it was really true because go out and do these long runs and if i saw another runner you're like whoa someone else is out here doing <laughs> 22 miles or 23 miles and it was unusual. Now you, you see all these big groups running together. Yep. Uh, it's amazing how this sport has changed and how accepting it is of people of all abilities because it wasn't like that in the old days. You know, if you The first couple of marathons I did, if you came in after four hours, there was nobody there. I mean, no spectators, <laughs> no race director, They'd no all gone clock. Home. I mean, nobody is there. <laughs> yeah, it was a different sport back then. You know, I have some of the... the the finisher booklets when uh first couple of years i did the boston marathon back in the early 80s and those results books if you didn't finish by three hours and 35 minutes you're not in the results you didn't count wow and Whoa. now we're talking a race that today the median time in the boston marathon is about three hours and 42 minutes right so literally more than half the runners would not count as finishers if we went by the standards we did back in the early 80s wow so the sport has changed tremendously and all to the better yeah thank goodness because i'm I'm like women yeah women in the sport i mean talk about you know 40 40 well what 1967 women weren't allowed to be to participate in the marathon correct right even well even till uh the first official uh, accepting women in the Boston Marathon was 1972. Wow. And then they did, before that, they recognized the women that ran, like uh, Roberta Gibb and Catherine yeah. Switzer. I mean, like, if you look in the results, they call them, you know, it was unofficial finisher or winner. Uh, but it was 1972 where they first were literally allowed to run. And then to what goes on today, to go to some races that have more women than men, it's yeah. absolutely incredible transformation in a, in you know, in reality, in a short period of time. 
Right. Within, and that's what I love. Within a 50-year period, just for the marathon, where you've, got, you've gone from zero participants to over half. Right. Easily. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, people, you know, people never knew that a sport, they just, you know, it just wouldn't work for them. They would feel so out of place and come in and finish and nobody's there. Like, uh, you know, they're never going to do a second race. <laughs> so it's, right. uh, thank God we made these changes. Yeah. And, and, and like uh, me personally, I've been running just about two years, you know, 50 something year old guy right. when I started and, and the community's just open arms. It's been amazing and incredible. And I, I tell everybody, like, gosh, if I'd have known runners were this awesome and cool, I'd have done this years ago. Right. But it probably yeah. wasn't yeah. the case if I started years ago. Uh, uh, yeah. It was good timing yeah, on my part. Com- yeah, very good timing on your part. The run community is very accepting. and mm-hmm. uh, It is a great place to be. But when you're on the outside, you don't know that. Right. I always say that. You know, people see us out running. We always kind of, when you see a kid running, they're smiling and happy and just they make it look easy. When you see an adult running out there, kind of like got a scowl on their face <laughs> and they look like they're in pain, but they're enjoying it. Right. Like I, I, you know, it's just, you know, we're different because we're thinking about all the stuff we got to do when we get done the run and all that kind of stuff. So you're kind of out there. So people look at us and say, oh, my God, that person looks miserable. What are they doing out here? But they don't know how much fun we're having and how much we enjoy it and, and yes. how much camaraderie is around the running community once you embrace it and, and uh, you know, run with some of these groups or mm-hmm. run with a group at a running store or, or a running club. Right. And, then, and then, of course, the ultimate, to go to a race and realize the power of the community and yes. the acceptance. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I have to admire people that come from these weight loss uh, stories, like mm-hmm. Josh Lajani. He yes. was uh, yeah. He was one of the guys that I found. I was right. uh, at Runner's World when we put him on the cover. Yeah. And uh, I worked on that cover search. That was uh, part of my one of my job assignments. But you know, I I always think when people come up to me and talk about their weight loss story, and and I just say, man, thank God they came along now because. They came along earlier. Everyone was lean and, you know, right. tall and skinny people. Yeah. Finished. The, they were the only runners in the race. Right. And, you know, no one, it's human nature. You don't want to go somewhere where you don't feel like you're like everybody else. Right. So it's pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. And when I go to a race and I see someone overweight coming in towards the back of the pack, you know, I make sure I go up and shake their hand and congratulate them because i know they got to feel like okay why you know why is everyone different from me in this race or a lot of people are different from me in this race but but the run community is that just uh you know we don't judge i'm just happy Mm -hmm. you're out there and you go out there and give it your best that's it and uh you know the the best stories are always at the back of the pack absolutely really are that's where you know, people, people always just say to me, like, I do a lot of race announcing at races, and I don't leave till I see the whatever's the last vehicle, whether it's a trail vehicle or a Zamboni or whatever they got out there that signals <laughs> right. that there's no one still on the course. Right. Then I'm willing to walk away and, and you know, get a cup of coffee. Right. But till then, I stay out there, and people always say to me, you know, right, there's only, you know, there's only a half dozen people here. You can leave. I'm like, no way. I never leave because you just, you don't know somebody's story. You don't know why they're in the, you know, in the back or they battling cancer. Did they lose, you know, a hundred pounds or 200 pounds? Some people, some people come up to me and tell me how much they used to weigh. And I, I just look at them. I, I just can't believe it. Right. You know, they just don't, you know, you, if I didn't know them before, the only image I have is, you know, what's right in front of you. Yeah. 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 And and all but of this they, is why they, you're the mayor of running because exactly right. there's yeah. no better steward than you apparently. So right. this is oh, perfect. You, well, and yeah. that's it. But, but you know, everyone everyone I meet that has a weight loss story, they always have a picture in their wallet, <laughs> whether it's like a driver's <laughs> license from 10 years or 2 years yep. ago or 4 years ago or they have a picture, you know, at some party they were at yep. or something like that and then when they get out that picture, you're like, "Man, Yep. What a transformation. It's unbelievable. Hey, when I first met me, Matt, it's, it's, 
I didn't even have yep. any idea that he was ever heavy. I had right. no idea. Until I showed him the picture. Really? Yeah. <laughs> then I showed him the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I had this, this local runner. He was over 300 pounds, and now he's doing five marathons a year, and mm -hmm. he's running under three hours and 30 minutes in all of them. Wow. That's awesome. And I, I always tell him, I said, Chris, you got to share your story. He goes, ah, I don't want to talk about me and my story. <laughs> I'm going... Chris, you will inspire a lot of people. And yeah. He won't do it. He's just too shy. Huh. But it's I, not for everybody. You have no clue. There's people out there that uh, that don't know mm -hmm. that that they can make this change and that they can end up looking like you and run as fast as you. Right. You know, you gotta. I really am getting. I, you know, my goal is to make sure that people share their story. Right. Because they're gonna inspire somebody, and they may they may ins inspire some people that they never even meet or are these uh, people that are just intimidated and won't talk to them. Right. Could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. could be someone they see at church, wherever they come in contact with this person. This person's looking at them going, wow, I see that person go out and run all the time and look at the, you know, all the weight they lost. And, you know, it's just uh, amazing. But some people are just shy and they don't yeah. think they have a story. Well, and Josh, Josh Lajani reminds people all of the time because it's something he hears over and over at these events that now he's invited to be a spokesperson at is right. you know, someday I want to be a runner like you. And he's like, you already are like you're, yeah. you know, go put this 150 pound weighted vest on and run a mile like, you know, the top athletes in the world couldn't do what you're doing every morning. You know, the fact that you yeah. get up 100 pounds overweight and go run a couple of miles before you go to work, you're a runner. You're a real runner right, <laughs> right now. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. takes some of us a while to, to say, okay, I am a runner. But eventually, you know, you come yeah. around. And Runner's World yeah, was amazing yeah. for just, and yeah. still today, sharing those stories. And, I mean, and that's kind of how yeah. I got bumped. I had a good friend who was like, you should submit your story. And I did. And, and it, I guess, went pretty well for them and and people started yeah. contacting me all over the place that's yeah. just what happens yeah. and uh yeah. it's it's been amazing well in that that cover I, search you had how many people shared the cover that for that cover search oh with Josh yeah Lajani? so we would have to we'd have to take like uh oh god it would end up being about 1600 people yeah. and come down to the top 100 right and then from so i'd have to sort through 1600 to come down to the top 100 that's wow. a tough when job. When I got it down to a hundred, right? I would involve more editors, and we'd get a hundred down to like twenty-five, right? And then involve even more people and get twenty-five down to ten, and then we would do the the, the ten, ten, on and the then cover. from we'd do five men and five women, right? And then from there we would get down to the cover winner to do a male and female, but and, it was hard. And there was our there boy. There so many amazing. At the yeah. last man standing, Josh Lajani on the cover of Runners. World. You got it. <laughs> amazing. And if, if you would have told Josh when he was at his highest weight, four hundred pounds, right? <laughs> four hundred pounds, and when he went out for his first run, just to get you know make it a block or two blocks, right? If someone would have walked up to him and said, "Josh, you know you're going to be on the cover of Runners World," he would have he would have he would have uh, called the police and said. <laughs> Hey, we got someone here you got to lock up in a right. padded room because they think I'm going to get in the cover of Runner's World, and I just ran two blocks and just about died but running then, two blocks. But then the, but video, the video of when he got the call that he'd been selected for the cover and the emotion in that yeah. video was incredible because you saw his trajectory over the course of those years from – 400 plus pounds to the cover of runner's world all come yeah all come to him all at once and it that's yeah incredible you know i i thought of you guys uh the end of last week i got a message i think it came through instagram i get messages through facebook twitter instagram i can't keep up with where <laughs> they all come from but i get a lot of messages from runners. but i got a message from a runner and uh it was a principal at a school an elementary school and he said oh, you may not remember me but uh i used to go and speak to these kids at this elementary school uh it was in the toughest neighborhood in town and they would always ask me to come in because no one ever goes to, you know these kids at this school just kind of get forgotten because it is in a rough part of town and uh, they would ask me to come in and talk to the kids and we created a track team and i'd go in there and 
run with the kids and talk about running and all this stuff. So the principal, you know, he would always meet me when I got to the school and then take me to the kids and he would kind of hang around, but he wasn't a runner and he just, uh, you know, he thought I was a little crazy. And then uh, <laughs> I get this message from him on Instagram. And so I think the last time I was at this school was probably three years ago. And all of a sudden, he's a runner, lost 120 pounds, and he's training for his first marathon, which he's going to do in March. And he said, you know, he said, he used to come to my school and tell these kids this, these stories and stuff. And he said, just kept sticking in my head. And then he said, one day I realized I had to make a change, and he knew he had to lose weight. And uh, he said he picked running. He said, I just crazy Yasso guy used to talk about how fun it is and how it <laughs> led him to do stuff all over the world and he he started running and oh my god I get a message like that it just makes my day because I I was going to these schools to connect with these kids right and to kind of get the kids interested in running and get them on a path of mm-hmm. fitness and uh, you know start them early to get hooked on being fun uh, you know looking at running as being a fun fitness thing mm-hmm. not being a drudgery Mm-hmm. And uh, here somehow I connected with this principal when I was there, and now he's running his first marathon. That's that's why you gotta have to get out there and share your story. Absolutely, no, that's that's exactly it. Uh, that because I think we're all you know we have that uh, air of humility where it's like oh I'm nothing special. There's not you know I lost a hundred pounds, big deal. Anyone can do that. But it's I always say it's about the one person, right? That. It doesn't right. matter that I reach, did you reach a thousand people? I'm just trying to reach one person. If one person looks yeah. at me and says, I think I can do it, then that's job done, mission accomplished. Right. But, and that person will inspire someone else. And, and just, so on and so on. Going. Right. Well, but yeah. you've seen, I mean, you're responsible for creating a community. Now Now the running community, If you if you plop down into 2020 right now, you would think that the running community has always been this vibrant and this accepting and this yeah. and this yeah, expansive method. and and yeah a very short time ago it was completely the opposite and you couldn't you had trouble uh, finding another distance runner yeah i from the day i got into this sport and when i really became active in the local running scene and the local running club and putting on races i always i was always in my mindset was we got to include everyone just uh i don't care what speed they go they just got to get up get here put on a bib number and give it a try and uh and when i got my job at runner's world in 1987 uh, i was like wow this is i got this great opportunity i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take it for granted and i'm gonna go out there and try to make change and i would go to my office every day it really it wasn't on my job description to kind of convince people into being runners. Uh, but I made it kind of like my little, uh, you know, take some part of my day and try to get people every day. I would try to reach out to people, which I know weren't running, but I could convince them that running was for them and that they could be a runner. Right. And I mean, all types of people. I, right. uh, I trained these, uh, group that they, they call themselves the clean streaks. They were, uh, they were considered habitual criminals because they had their, they were on their third offense, oh. and it was all drug-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And then once they got their third offense, they had to go to this halfway house and pass a course before they – so after they did their, their time in jail, then they had to go to this halfway house and get uh, go through a program before they were released into the public. And I'd go and run with, with this group, and then I convinced them into doing this relay race, and that was the whole idea to get them to – be involved in the running community and oh my god it was an unbelievable experience because they never they you know once they went to the race and did the relay everybody was coming up to them congratulating them and talking to them and they're like wow we're used to nobody wanting to be around us and yeah. now everyone's you know what it's talking about because there was a big uh big article in the newspaper the day before the race and uh you know, this was back in the newspaper days when newspapers were a way of uh, communication. And uh, so they got a big spread in the newspaper the day prior to the race. So all the runners knew who they were, and, and all their pictures were in the papers. And they just, uh, 
they were just floored how nice people were to them and uh you know how what a fulfilling feeling they got by accomplishing this they were crying at the finish line you know they had to go run to a payphone and call their mom and stuff like that it was much different than what you think of somebody you know uh be in this program would be considered a habitual criminal right. but it was just it was just drug problems that is mm-hmm. what got them there all the time they mm-hmm. just had to break that get away from the drugs they were really good people they right. just needed something to get them focused and uh, I hear from every once in a while I'll get a message from one of them and they say they're still running and they're wow. you know stayed out of trouble and it's pretty cool to to think that uh, you know and I you know when I first called that place about my idea, they, they thought I was out of my mind. They said, well, we got to get you protection. We got to do this. I said, no, I think I can handle myself. And, uh, I told the guy in the end, I said, I'm the safest guy in the whole town. Like these guys, I would go in there with free running shoes all the time and I would mm-hmm. get through runner's world. And they loved me. I came right. in with all these goodies, running clothes, running shoes. I said, no, you don't. I, you don't have to worry about me. I'm a pretty good hand. <laughs> I was, I was well received every time I went to this halfway house. It was, it was an interesting thing. But that's what we got to do. You know, we got to reach out and help people and get them to take those first couple steps. And as you guys know, there's so many weight loss stories. People yeah. that just need that, that motivation. That you know, some they they need something to grasp onto that they can. Re- they need mm-hmm. someone that they can relate to and say, okay, right. this this guy did it, I can do it. Bob did it, Matt did it, yeah. I'm going to do it. You yeah. know, it's that kind of thing. And it's funny, there was a documentary that came out that was called, I think it was called From Fat to the Finish Line? Yes, yes, that's right. You know, like 2015, yeah, From yep. Fat to the Finish Line. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at a race, uh, a relay race down in Key West that they were filming that to the finish line some of the people that were in the movie and they were doing clips and a couple of them were fans of mine so i got to meet them and talk to them and then they you know they posted that uh Bariaso and from fat to the finish line so people thought that i was overweight at some point <laughs> i was getting all these questions how heavy was i and i said you know there was one point i had a lot of problems from lyme disease and i was on a bunch of medication and i couldn't run and i i think i ballooned up to about 165 pounds that's the heaviest i've ever been <laughs> oh, in my life man. and i'm six foot tall so yeah. right. uh, i was always a skinny kid i never ever had a weight problem so it's, it's hard for me to relate uh but i always tell people i i you know i never was heavy but uh, you know i don't know how many runners i talked to that were heavy but thousands right and, yeah uh, you know even if sometimes you know there's these stories where people have lost a lot of weight but there's also stories that people just lost 30 or 40 pounds yeah and made a big difference in their life because they were they may have only been 30 or 40 pounds overweight at the time but they were going in the wrong direction right and the running running got them going in the correct direction to uh, moderate their weight and get to where they you know where they should be right so it's it's interesting what's what goes on out there and the and the effort is exactly the same for everyone. So, you know, we get that comparison all the time. Well, I, you know, I lost 40 pounds, nothing like, nothing compared to you, nothing compared to what you lost, right. the, you lost weight. I lost weight. You lost, I yeah. went, the most significant amount of weight I lost in losing a hundred pounds was the first 50 pounds. That, yep. that right. when I lost 50 pounds, I thought I was on top of the world. That was, and I mean, I don't want to sound like it was not as powerful to lose to get to the hundred pound mark but mm-hmm. 50 pounds was a big deal that was amazing to me 50 that, pounds is my original goal yeah mine too oh well 20 right. pounds was my original goal and yeah. then and then 20 more i never <laughs> thought i'd make 50 pounds right and now i'm 150 pounds lighter so right. yeah that's i mean wow. but those are and but then you talk to Le, josh lajani and he's lost over 200 and then and, yeah. and you talk to so yeah. many people that you know, the scale that they were weighing themselves on didn't go high enough. They don't even know how much weight they've actually lost, that they had to lose That's weight to get it to register on the scale, what they actually weighed. Wow. So, but, and you spoke about addiction too. I mean, uh, I'm sure you've heard of uh, David Clark's uh, 
a group called mm-hmm. uh, Addict, oh, yeah. Addict to Athlete, and that's that's a yep. great organization too. Where and he's got some really powerful success stories in the same vein. And and obviously he's kind of he kind of shares both. He's lost over a hundred pounds and he overcame addiction as well, and gone on to right. be an ultra marathoner, ultra ultra cyclist, ultra everything. But yeah, I yeah. think that those uh, you know. I've I'm a I quit drinking three years ago, but compared to stories like that, when you're talking about people that have been in the prison system, people that have overcome, you know, heroin addiction and things like that, and are now, sure, you know, and are now runners, and that's what and that's what they credit to being able to beat these addictions back. That's that's really powerful. That running has that yeah. common thread, and the sense of community too, where we yep. we have. Right. You know, everyone thinks that, oh, I'll never be a runner, but, you know, it's, we are a very welcoming group of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, my, my, by far the favorite part of my job at Runners World, people used to say to me, you know, how lucky I was. I got to travel all over the world and run all these races, and that's what I did for a living. And I said, yeah, that, it was pretty cool, I have to admit. And I always wanted to travel all over the world to do it as my profession was. I felt very lucky and it was very cool, but, but I said, it, it, nothing compares to the, you know, I still have these images of people's faces that would come up to me and tell me their, their story, right? Whether it was a weight loss story or, you know, lost a loved one or whatever they did to, to get them to take these first couple steps and to use running as their therapy and to keep them focused and to give them just something to look forward to when they were in these really dark times uh nothing compares to that no. you know and people would ask me you know i won you know a fair amount of races in my mm-hmm. younger days i could right. win races and i said i i don't remember any of that stuff you know if i if i go and look around my house and i could find something you know it says i won this race or that race i said it doesn't mean anything to me it really doesn't what means the most is these people I connected with you know I used to go out to these races to find these stories that would end up on the pages of runner's world or on our website and uh, that's what I love to do and there were stories a lot of stories I never even worked on I'd come back and say okay send this message to a bunch of the editors I met this person here's their story and and some of them would just take off and turn into a feature story and uh, that was really cool and then we'd get you know one of our really great writers to spend a whole month working on the story that was really really fun to do to see this stuff come to life and Mm -hmm. but it took someone you know when i did meet these people they were willing to share these stories i always say you know to when i get back in the office at runner's world i'd say that guys the stories don't walk in our front door we got to be out there talking to people finding out these stories right and that's where that that's you know because like I said, some people just don't think their their life is a story, and their 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 life is a story. It's hard to it's hard to look at yourself and go, "Wow, I'm inspiring." God, a lot of people need yeah, to hear right. my story, yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never had the guts when I get these messages from people that tell me they I inspire them, and you know, I just never. You know, some of them, when they send me the message, I can understand where they're coming from, what the why I inspired them. But most of the people don't go into detail. They just tell me I inspired them, and I'm just never, I, you know, I don't. I'm just too shy to say, you know, what did I do to inspire you? I, I just don't, you know, I'm just being me. I uh, so yeah, it's very but, interesting what what goes on. But, but I do, you know, there's a couple of things. One of the examples when people say you know, to me, they're not inspiring and they don't inspire anyone. And I said, I always tell them, like, you may not know that you're inspiring someone. You may never come in contact with this person. I always talk about this uh, email I received from a woman. Uh, She used to come to some of the races I was at and I would be a keynote speaker and she would come to my talk and she had a, a son with her and her son was autistic or is autistic. And, uh, you know, I would do my talk and try to inspire everyone that's going to do the race the next day, whether we're at a pasta dinner or whatever setting we were in. And, uh, you know, this woman told me that she would talk, try to get her son to talk about, to just talk about what it's like, or just at the end of the day, what's going on? How are you? And 
you know, he was just didn't talk, just play his video games and non-communicative. Uh, just wouldn't communicate. And then she said uh, one night she asked him, you know, to talk to her, and he said he started blurting out this stuff, and she was writing it down. And he said he wanted to be Bargasso. He used to come <laughs> to my talks with his mom. And he said, everybody likes Bargasso. Nobody likes me. I go to school. Nobody talks to me. Uh, but everyone talks to Bargasso when he's at a race. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this kid really tuned in to me. And I, I would have never known that if this mom didn't share this email with me. But she put it point blank. She said, uh, it was really funny. I'm reading this email how she says, her, you know, her son said, nobody talks with me to me at school and nobody wants to hang out with me and everybody wants to hang out with Bargasso. And he said, you know, I wish Bargasso was my age, or I wish I could be Bargasso, and all this stuff. And I'm like, reading this stuff, I had to get up and close my office door. <laughs> I'm tearing up in my office. And then uh, I really composed myself to read the whole email. And the ending this kid gave was just classic, because he said, he <laughs> the last thing he said to her that night was, yeah, I want to be Bargasso, but I want to do all that running crap that he did. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my God, this kid, he had me so torn up, and then he had me laughing in my office. He, he really knew how to end it. And, uh, and he does run, but he you know, he doesn't want to run some of the crazy races that I did. But that kind of helped me out because I was really torn up just thinking, putting myself in his shoes. Like, you know, I just can't imagine. And I would think people that are overweight, you know, especially obese people feel the same way. Like nobody wants to associate with them. They're like, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, being morbidly obese and and then being dramatically thinner, the world is a different place and you are treated differently. (laughs) Yes, you are. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I get what it feels like to be disrespected or not treated a certain way because of your size. Right. Right treated differently. Yeah, and it's not it's yeah. not fair, but it no. is but it's real. Yeah, it is what and it that's is. Where we have to make the change culturally, we have to make the yes. change and then uh and then of course if we can help people, that would be the ultimate. And uh, you but you know, I, I, again, I never I never experienced anything like that. So it's it's hard for me to understand, but I I know it goes on and to hear it firsthand from you uh, you guys confirm that it is true. And that's what I thought about, you know, this kid is, you know, I could read this email and understand that this kid just socially was not accepted anywhere. And then I thought, okay, this, this happens to a lot of people, not just him. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why I always think, you know, you, you just, you gotta be out there cause you just don't know who you connect with. Like I never thought that I was at speaking at this dinner that, you know, oh, there's a young autistic kid out there that I'm connecting with because I probably never physically saw him. Right. Like, uh, yeah. you know, he was, he, but he was there because his mom wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. But he really tuned in to me. And uh, so it's amazing what goes on. And I'm sure you guys are like that. I'm sure people tune in to you and go, okay, they did it. I can do it. They didn't feel accepted in, you know, or they were looked at differently. And, uh, but now they have a different life. That's, you know, that's inspiring to a lot of people. Well, I I think that's a big thing with the missing chins is we're, we're not out there, uh, you know, trying to, you know, just share our stories for ourselves. It's, it's like Josh says, you know, lighthouses aren't out there, you know, looking for ships to save, but, uh, we are trying to be a little bit of a lighthouse because you just don't ever know who's looking, who's watching, who's paying attention and hopefully along the way, you know, through our shared stories that we will inspire some people to just make a healthier choice and running is yeah. such a big part of that. I mean, physically, yeah, it's dramatic, but mentally as well. Right. And when you put those two together with a decent diet, you're going to change your life. Well, and, right. and Josh Lajani was that that person for me, my inspiration to change because he was enough like me that I thought, well, if Josh can do it, then if this Cajun from down on the bayou can, can lose 200 uh, yeah. pounds, then I can do it. And from the, you know, from the first time I heard him on the ritual podcast to the, to the time I bought runner's world with him on the cover. And then 
then I met him and had him sign that Runner's World cover. And, and I still have right. that today. You want to see someone get really embarrassed, hand Josh Lajani a magazine just autograph for you. Yeah. He, he, uh, <laughs> he does not that's feel awesome. like he deserved to be asked for an autograph, that's for sure. Right. But, but for, for that reason, I'm, you know, I try to be ever aware that, yeah, that person is out there looking at me going, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, and that's the... Yeah. Uh, that and I think, but that's exactly why uh, I think you people keep saying I want to be like Yasso, though, because you're identifiable right. enough. You you don't look like Hercules. You look like a typical runner. You're you're right. and you're so relatable and so personable that yeah, I mean it's you're ubiquitous with the sport now. That you know. Oh, thank you. I mean, you have you have Yasso eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, we'd, oh, be, yeah. we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about day. that. Yeah, <laughs> I hear about those every day. Now, was that? I mean, but but you get yeah. But you guys, what I do love is that you're honest about what it was like to be overweight, because right. that's where that the honesty is where it comes from. There's no sugar coating well, yeah. being you're fat. Not the chins. Because you can, you know, so many people think, oh, you just talk about the successes. I lost all the weight, and now I'm out there running. Yeah, that's that's cool, and I'm glad that happened, but. You have to talk about those early first steps, right? Right. You know, and that's what uh, I always tell people. I wish, I really wish that we had cell phones and we did selfies yes. back in 1977 when I first started running, because, you know, I did not look like a runner. I looked like a caveman. I had long hair, bushy beard, right? And I thought, okay, my first run, I got uh, cut off jeans, pair of kids, <laughs> right. tube socks, Man. Budweiser t-shirt, and I headed out the door. Wow. But, you know, we we all start somewhere. Right. But you guys are honest with the journey, and I, I that is really, really special, and it, it really helps a lot of people. So keep at it. Well, yeah. Anyway, you were talking Yasso 800. So yes. Mean no, you. no. I mean, well, like, like, like Bob said, we'd be remiss if we didn't get into Yasso 800s. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I have the Amby Burke put to thank for that. Amby was the editor at Runner's World for many years and won the Boston Marathon in 1968. It was one of the best runners in the United States for many years. Great collegiate runner, great distance runner, really nice guy, a genius. You know, he had a, he had a lot going for him. He was a great writer, still is a great writer, and. Uh, you know, he can't. He, I. He found out that I do these yachts. Oh, we didn't call them yachts. Right? He found out that I did this ten times eight hundred, and right. the time that I could do the average for the eight hundred, so I would try to do the marathon. And there was this correlation. And he just, he thought it was like an astronomer finding a star. He's like, oh my God, this is brilliant. We're gonna get it in the magazine. And I'm like, I, you know, Amby, I, uh, it works for me. I don't know if it works for anybody else. I don't, you know, it's not based on science. This is just, it's, I found it in my training logs to be this peculiar correlation. And I used to use it in my training. And then Amby did the story, uh, I believe it was in ninth. it was like a July issue, 1993. And oh my God, he called them Yasso 800s because, you know, if it's an astronomer finds a star, they get the star named after him. I found this workout and he says, look, it's going to be named after you. But he did say, he wouldn't have named him after me if if I had a, a a normal name like Smith or Jones or something like that. He said, I have an unusual name. And then when Yahoo came along, he said, I told you these Yahoo 800s, it's going to be like the word Yahoo. People are going to remember this stuff because yeah. they never hear that, that name, Yasso, before. So, right. boy, he was right. I thought he was totally crazy, but he proved that he's a genius because uh, – <laughs> I was in Marauder's World, July of 1993, and I thought, okay, I'll hear about these things for like two or three months, and then I'll never hear about them again. <laughs> and uh, there's not a day in my life that I don't hear about Yasso 800, whether it's <laughs> you know, social media or email or so, someone, uh, even some of my friends that have my cell number will text me, and oh my God, it just goes on and on and on. But it is a lot of fun. Well, you... I always tell people, you know, when you when you go on the internet and and the first thing you see is your name comes up and people say, 
oh, I'm going to go out and curse this guy. I got to do seven or eight of these things or 10 of them. And right. I'm going to curse them the whole time I'm out there. <laughs> I just love it. I get such a kick out of it. Well, and you said it wasn't based on science, but it sure as hell is now. Yeah, it, is. <laughs> yeah, it works for a lot of people. It doesn't work for everybody. And, you know, when we put it in runner's world, we knew a lot of people, a lot of our readers didn't do track workouts. And, you know, they said this track workout is simple. You know, it's not not that complicated like people do these workouts that are called ladders where you're doing mm-hmm. 200, 400, 600, 1,200, right. you know, the mile and then back right. down and, all. you know, this is real simple. Right. Do a, do a warm-up. You can do an 800 meters on the track, 400 meter recovery. Everyone can figure that out. So Amby, Amby loved the simplicity of it and loved that it would have my name attached to it with right. an unusual name. And he just said, this is going to be popular. And of course, when we started working on the story, uh, I was rooming with the Amby on like the Portland Marathon. We were starting to work on this. Uh, there wasn't, at the time, there wasn't a thing called the internet. So when the Yasso 800 article appeared, probably six months later, this thing called the Internet took off. So I, that really fueled the Yasso 800s, I think, because then it was spread virally ever since that, that story. Right. But we we did not envision it being that popular. Uh, but it took off on the Internet. I still see it all the time. And it's so funny. I get the people will send me a, a thread they'll go you got to get on this thread they're bashing yasso 800 so they say they don't work and all this kind of stuff and i say i don't have to get on any thread <laughs> i only ever said they work for me i never you will never find anywhere that i said they work for anyone else but me so i don't have to get on there i just uh you know they can go to the original story the links out there you know right so i i stand by it I, it's not based on science, and I never uttered the words that it worked for anyone other than me. <laughs> so I, I, I know it worked for me, and I, that's I've got to uh, so I defend myself that way. <laughs> but it is fun to see that people are still doing them, and whether they like them or don't like them, or they don't work or they do work, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people have tried them and may not have realized there was a man behind the method when they did them either yes that they're probably yeah, that's trying. what i hear <laughs> right who's this yasso yeah. guy is that, that a guy i didn't yeah. know that <laughs> i get that uh, i get that on instagram a lot they post their workout and they do this thing and then uh, i'll i'll like their post or something and they'll say hey i've been doing these for like four years i didn't know they were actually <laughs> named after a person <laughs> what does yasso <laughs> even stand for uh, right yeah, yeah they're trying what to, is it yeah right. what is it they had no clue right. i think uh like you know so funny. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be something that would happen to me that I post I do a hashtag Yasso eight hundred and then you like it. <laughs> would right. Be, I would be like, Oh great, there's a guy named Yasso. Perfect. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> wow. You guys are amazing with this show. I just love what you do. I uh you know, I go go get it from Spotify. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yep. I just wow. I'm just amazed what you guys are doing, and I, it just, it's a it's a need we have in our sport, and I, I just absolutely love that you're doing it. Well, that's high praise coming from a man like you. We yeah, really appreciate fun. that. Um, but, yeah, you know, you. you said before, you know, before there was a thing called the Internet, but before there was a thing to post podcasts on, like Spotify, where all these free platforms exist, we, it's actually pretty easy. For us, you know, right. that we can, we can, you know, how do, oh, you guys have a podcast. How do I find it? Just type in the grind on anything that you listen to music or podcast on and up it comes for free. Yeah. <laughs> Stop saying that. This yeah, is so grind? hard to do. It's the hardest yeah. thing I've ever done. <laughs> so much work goes like into that. this. <laughs> but the grind is a great word. And then, of course, yeah. the the other part of it is the the missing chin yes. running yep. club which i really like so yes. this, uh, well josh lajani uh, named the nice missing company. chins and and josh Did lajani he? Yeah. yeah he he created the missing chins he founded it for what he would say former fatties you know there was a bunch of us right. guys that yep. uh, that had once been morbidly obese and had found health and wellness and through running and and nutrition and and so yeah and that that's what we we had, but we kept it, uh, 
a you know a tight-knit group of guys that all shared those things in common and you know now the grind we and that was something that came from within the group too obviously we didn't coin that phrase but that daily act of getting up early in the morning before the sun comes up and lacing up those sneakers and getting out the door, that's the grind, you know, that's the, yeah, it's so. a, it's a commitment. You guys yeah. have taken the commitment and, uh, cause you know, I'm, as you know, one of the biggest problems is when people first want to make that change, they start, but then they, you know, three, four weeks into it, they say, ah, no. And then <laughs> they go right back to the old habits and, the grind has to be you got to learn from those habits and make the change. If you right. don't make the change, it's not going to happen. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you use a sport like running, the beauty of running is you. no one can do it for you. Right. You have to do the work. Yes. But if you do the work, go out and do a race and challenge yourself, your reward is when you cross that finish line, you see that numbers on the clock, yep. and they get smaller if you train mm-hmm. and get better at it. Right. And uh, that's the beauty of it. Like yes. and no one can do it for you. You have to do it. You have to accept it to be part of the grind and go out there and do it. And, and yeah. there's great rewards if you're willing to do it. But it but it takes commitment. Well, but inspiration is fleeting, right? I mean, we're, here we are at the end of January. Everybody made a lot of promises to themselves on December 31st. And a lot of those same people now are, you know, four weeks into a running program and the inspiration's gone. The motivation's not there right. anymore. And, and it comes down to the grind, right? You're, you're, right. that alarm is going off in the morning. And I think that's, you know, like you said before, we talk about the journey and we're honest about it. That's the honesty in, in running is that it, I'm not any happier to get out of bed early and put my sneakers on than you are. It's it's the same right. for everybody. I'm not I'm not doing yeah. cartwheels out of bed looking forward to six miles before it's seven AM. The best part is finishing. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Running too. No, it's really true. But it does you know, we always I always hear runners say this and I've always felt the same way, you know. You just don't want to go out there, it's cold, it's raining, it's you know, whatever excuse you can come up with, but we get the shoes on and go out and do it. When you come back, you feel the reward and the mm-hmm. happiness and you were so glad you did it. No one's ever but regretted it. it really, right. right. But you got to take those first steps and just get out the door and uh, get it done. As I always say, and, but you're so right this time of the year, you know, the, the gym I go to was pretty full the first two weeks of January, and now it's starting to thin out. Thinning out and, again. You know, these people that pay this fee for the year and they, you know, they go five or six times in January and then they never go back again. Right. And that's, uh, I, I really think those are the people that go in there and just don't feel welcome. They don't right. feel like I'm part of this group. Right. You know, people that are in there that are pretty fit, you know, don't connect with them. And, you know, uh, that's one of those things that we, that's a society thing we need to change. Yes. We need to encourage everyone. Yeah, yeah, there's still some stigma in the gym. I still feel it when I go in there. Yeah, Bob's a new gym member himself, and he doesn't—he's not feeling the love when he walks into. Which his is gym. fine because I—I'm just in there to <laughs> right. do my work and get out. So, right. But yeah, there's still that stigma. It's the the running community is dramatically more open and accepting and loving and caring. And I walk into the gym and people are like, "All right, dude." There's a gym for you now, though. I think before, you know, that the gym culture has changed, too. It's a lot more inclusive or there's a specific type of gym for you that you can find. The 24-hour fitness or the, you know, it's not all Gold's Gym. It's not all Muscle Beach where you're in there with no shirt on and and throwing 200 pounds around. You can find that, you know, I'm a member of the local YMCA in in my town and you know, the people I go to the gym with in the morning, they're my neighbors. They're not, there's nobody, right. there's nobody in there that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They all look like me. So that's awesome. You know, and I, yeah, so it's, uh, I think that's, I think that culture is changing. I think there is a stigma attached and some of it too is the, it's the same as those back of the pack runners that are, you know, embarrassed to be dead last where those are the right. like you said that's where the stories are that's that's the yeah that's the inspiration 
the same in the gym. When I see someone that's 100 pounds overweight on the treadmill at 6 a.m., I, I high-five that person. That's amazing. Right. Yep. That's inspirational yeah. to me, not, not the guy that's already done the work, the guy that's just starting his journey. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's so, you know when you talk about back of the pack or middle of the pack, I, I, I never use those terms. Yeah, but I do it when I do like a podcast, so because mm -hmm. it's a it's an easy way for people to understand what we're talking about. Right. But when I'm at a race, everyone's a runner, mm -hmm. everyone's a finisher. Yes. I never say what place someone's in or middle of the pack, back of the pack. I never use those words. It's right. just always as a runner. I remember doing race announcing at this one race that I gone through many times to do the race announcing, and uh, you know I always had me speak at their dinner the night before and after his dinner was over and people would always come up and talk to me and there were a lot of people that didn't you know i'd always do q a but they didn't want to ask their question in the with everyone hearing it they felt that maybe their question was embarrassing and this woman one woman she waited around till no one was there and then she asked me she goes i'm definitely afraid i'm going to be the last finisher at tomorrow's race i mean she just feared she just didn't want to be dead last and I, I guaranteed her she wouldn't be dead last. I said, I hear that all the time. And I do hear that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, there's people don't come in last. And, you know, they tell me, oh, you were right. I wasn't last. And, well, this woman actually turned out to be last. <laughs> so I'm standing at the finish line. And uh, the city already, they pulled the electricity. So we didn't have any electricity. The microphones were turned off just because mm -hmm. the you know, the city had this ordinance at a certain time. They had to unplug the, the speaker. So I had a bullhorn. You know, I was able to keep going the last couple of people that came in. And sure enough, we knew this was the last runner because the trail vehicle was behind her that we knew. And, you know, I didn't recognize her right away, but I'm screaming for her to come across the line. I got everybody who was still around to come out and greet her and hug her and do all this stuff. And it, she crosses the line and looks at me and she said, you said I wouldn't be last. <laughs> and then I, once, I, once I really made eye contact with her, I realized, ah, oh, this woman, I told her she wouldn't be last, and she was last. And I, I said, look, it, I'm, I'm going to walk back wherever your car is, wherever your hotel is, where I, I'll walk with you. You know, you, you just don't worry. I, I was wrong. You are last. I'm sorry. But, uh, but you're still a hero to me, so let's just walk to your you know, it turned out she was at the same hotel I was at. So we got about a five or six block walk together. And, you know, I talked nonstop about how she inspired me and how cool it was that she did finish and all this kind of stuff. So when we got back to the hotel, we had a cup of coffee and a hug and it worked out in the end, but I'll never forget how she looked at me. And, uh, she was like, you said I wouldn't be last. And I wasn't last. Oh my God. I felt so bad for her. But in reality, there is always someone that's last. Someone's yeah, yeah. Be last, it shouldn't right. be a negative thing because you know they ran twenty six point two miles. You finished. That's pretty no, amazing. There's right. no shame in that whatsoever. I mean, that's the whole thing and, I kept telling her as we walked back to the right. hotel. Like, there's no shame in what you do. Don't worry about it. You know, just be happy you did it. And people she, that are still in bed. It's two o'clock yeah, in the afternoon. There's right. people that didn't even get out of bed yet, and they, you know, they probably got up at seven this morning and you know lit up a cigarette and open up a beer and they're still laying in bed so you've run 26.2 miles right you know, think of it that way i'm the, doing everything i could to kind of get her to turn away from just that thing that she was stuck in her head that she was the last finisher and the the first place finisher ran exactly the same distance as she did. You got it. Yep. Exactly you know, the same. All the stuff I had in my right. arsenal to, to, to pump her up to tell her that. And I was serious. Like, I was yeah. proud of her. She ran, she went out there and did the marathon. But that story yeah, right there fun. is why you are the mayor of running. Absolutely. Without oh, a doubt. Thank you. Man. That is, that yeah. is exactly why you are the mayor of running. And, and uh, that was, uh, that was cool to do to, to walk back to the hotel with her just to experience that. Like she was started out as tears, but then eventually they were happy tears, and eventually she was smiling. That was really, really a fun experience over you know what can change in five or six blocks, whatever it was back right. to the hotel. Right. Wow, that is that's an incredible story. 
<laughs> I don't yeah. know how to, I don't was, know how to was... go on from there. That's great. It's almost the perfect <laughs> yeah. way to wrap this all up. I think it is. I yeah, think, man. You know, we've taken, we've been very gracious with your time, Bart, and we really appreciate oh, no you taking the time. Uh, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Well, we we love and continue to love everything you've done for the running community. Thank you. A heartfelt thank you from us, Josh Lajani, everyone in the Missing Chins Run Club. Thank you for everything you do. Keep doing that. The world All needs right, more man, like man. you. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Very inspiring. Thank you, man. Thanks so keep, much, man. Really appreciate your time. It's All been right, it's been guys. an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been our honor. Thank, thank you. you so much, Bart. Thank you. Keep sharing stories. That's the bottom line. We Keep will. Sharing your journey. And Absolutely. we'll. All right. We're going to see you in February at Gasparilla, then, right? Oh yeah, I'll okay. be in Gasparilla. All right. Well, yeah. you're going to see a couple of skinny guys that used to be fat looking for you. All right, that'll uh, be awesome. I'll <laughs> be at the finish line of all four races. You can You. I'll be easy to find. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks Bart. so much, Bart. All right. Have an awesome day. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers, Bye. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you enjoyed the show, have comments or ideas, tell us in the comments. The Grind, a Missing Chins Run Club podcast can be found on Facebook at Missing Chins and also online, missingchins.org. Grind or go home.